0: very excited to have my next guest on Church and Culture. His name is Jim Hartzell. He is a native and lifelong resident of Alabama. He's a registered architect, and he's worked on design projects in University of Alabama, Jacksonville State University, University of Georgia, and University of Florida. He's also written about Scottish golf and golf writing in general, True Passions. He's made uh, many trips to Scotland over the past 30 years, and he played all the courses, believe me. You'll you'll realize that in a moment. He is also the author of The Secret Home of Golf, The Authorized History of King Collins Golf and the Creation of Sweeten Cove, that's near Chattanooga. He has written extensively on golf in Scotland for the Lynx Diary, nolayingup.com, and is a contributor to the Golfer General and today's golfer. Uh, the book we're about to discuss, When Revelation Comes, is his second book. He also has a a website, uh, jimhartsellgolf.com, and that's spelled H-A-R-T-S-E-L-L. Jim, welcome to Church and Culture.
1: Thank you, Bill. Pleasure to, to be with you today.
0: Well, let's get the hard stuff over at the beginning. And this is a book about how you uh, attempted to recover from the death of your son named Jordan to a drug overdose. And uh, you went to Scotland a little after the, the funeral to just try to keep on living. So that that's what we're going to be talking about, this book called When Revelation Comes. But could you give us just a, a basic itinerary of the relationship about your son Jordan and his death and then the journey in the writing of the book
1: you know Jordan was a he was a golfer and um, you know at a very young age he he showed a, just a ridiculous proclivity for for golf And like a lot of parents, I I love the game, and uh, you know I love to see him fall in love with it. And we just sort of went all in for I don't know from the time he was about nine or ten until really until he until he quit playing. Um, You know, we just that was all we did. I I I hardly played any golf. I took him to tournaments. I took him to lessons. uh, We went all over the southeast playing. He was very successful, and you know, he, he wound up getting a couple of college uh, division one offers. We wound up um, going to play at a, at a junior college uh, around here, and then he was going to transfer to a, a division one school. But sometime during his senior year, high school, he um, he started, and he'd been the happiest kid that I've ever been around. I had two other boys. I still have two other boys. Never had a moment's trouble out of Jordan. He was nothing but a happy kid. Loved people. Just everybody loved him. Nobody so, ever said any a, a bad word about him.
0: So Jim, there was and, there was not much in the way of foreshadowing to this this moment when you found out he had died.
1: Well, there I, there there was. You know, his, was, his senior year, he started um, a, a psychiatrist put him on Adderall senior of high school and i and i noticed a, a, just a gradual change and i was concerned about it and i and i said something to, to you know two or three times but i just his grades got he had he had a little bit of trouble with his grades his grades immediately improved when he got on that on that drug but i think it changed his personality and he he just he wasn't he just slowly wasn't quite the same and then when he went to, he graduated, and played golf all that summer before his first year of college, and played pretty well. But he played in a lot of tournaments. He made the cut for future masters, and you know he played in state junior and all this stuff, and played pretty well. But then when he got his, to that fall to to, um, to the to the junior college team, he just started going downhill, and I, I don't, you know, he. he He played one or two tournaments. I think he played two tournaments, and then he just quit without a word. And um, just started retreating to his room. He wouldn't come out. And, you know, to make a long story short, that went on for several months. And Then he just miraculously decided he wanted to start playing again. And uh, he was such a good player. Another school around here offered him a full scholarship. He started playing again. Played two tournaments again and quit again, and you know I really don't know why. Um, I don't know if it was the pressure. I, I think he had some, you know, some emotional anxiety issues and, and depression issues. But you know, he seemed excited when he started it the second time, and then he just after that he just you know, it's in the book, but he started going downhill and. You know, for several months, and he would stay in his room, play video games all night. Um, wouldn't talk to me hardly at all. Um, you know, didn't play much golf at all. And then, and then then, right about three months before he died, Bill, he started coming back to himself again. And he, he, and I, I, I detail it in the book but he, he started watching golf with me. He went to play golf with his older brothers. Um, and then he, you know. He, um, he seemed like he was coming back. He told me he wanted to start playing golf again. And I said, Jordan, I don't care if you ever play golf again. Um, you know, I just want you to be happy. We need to find something for you to do. And at any rate, I thought he was getting better. And then just out of, at, at the end, it just happened. It was accidental. And, um, you know, he didn't really have much, hardly any drugs in his system. But, what he did have was enough to cause some kind of reaction that, that killed him. And, um,
0: so you think he, it might've been in, in relation to the Adderall?
1: I think so. I do. Um, and I, I, I sort of hinted that in the book. I, I think it was a reaction with that. Um, and I don't know exactly what it was and I'm not sure if I want to know. I, they they said some stuff at the hospital and, um, what they thought, and you know, I think I mentioned it in the book, but, I, you know, for a while I was trying to you know, figure out what happened and why it happened. And, you know, but when you look at it and just the, the ridiculous number of things that had to fall in line for this yes. to happen when it did, it yes. just, uh, it, you know, it just, you know, I'd have well, to go play golf with me um, that day. and um, Oh, boy. He he wanted to and um he said a friend of his had asked him to to work on a some kind of landscape project with him and he was gonna get paid. I remember he said he was gonna get paid hundred and fifty dollars or something. Oh boy. And he was excited about that. And he, he said, Dad, I'd I'd love to go but I'm gonna stay and do work with this friend and that was the guy that was with him and um anyway that Yeah. There's no point in getting into the,
0: well, that's enough. That's, that's all yeah. I think the listener yeah. needs to know. And I yeah. want to remind the listener that, uh, we're talking with Jim Hartzell from, uh, near, near Decatur, Alabama, if you know the Alabama map. And the book is When Revelation Comes. And I just have to tell my listeners, you know me, I'm a, I'm an avid golfer. I've never actually had, uh, a discussion about golf on my show in the six years we've been doing it. This is the very first time. And because this book is great, this I love this book. And not because it's about golf, because it's about a man who lost a child, lost a son. And then, this. What, I'm going to ask Jim to explain it, but he goes to Scotland, a place he loves, and a place that he shared with his other golfing son, and uh a place that he's gotten to know quite well over the last 30 years. In order to find out why, and for, I don't know, remember if he puts it this way, but I took it as why keep on living. Yeah. And so what what was that little corner you turned when you decided to go to Scotland, Jim?
1: Well, you know, the first, it's hard to, and unfortunately people have been through this and, you know, you just don't know what to do. You can't sleep. You can't eat. Um, you're just in a, it's like a daze almost. And, you know, I had just, my first book was almost finished when this happened, the one on Sweden's Cove. And I'd been working on it for two years still. It was a hard book to write. And I just thought, I can't finish this thing. And i After About two or three weeks after Jordan had died, I told my publisher, I said, I just don't think I can finish this. And he called me and he said, well, you know, maybe this will give you something to kind of focus on, you know, in the interim. And and I have to admit that it did. I wound up just for about three or four weeks. It was about how much time we had left to do all the details and some, some editing and stuff to finish that book. And I just, that's just all I did. And it, it did help take my mind off of it. But once I finished that, I was kind of back to the same thing. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I'm having a hard time working, you know, writing is kind of my second job. And architecture is my first job. But I've been able to do both. But I was i was having a hard time doing any architecture work. And um, so I just, I don't know, I I, I I've got to get out of here. I've got to do something. And I've, Scotland is a place I've always been the happiest. And I've, I've been lucky to go numerous times over the years. And I just, I called a friend of mine, Robbie, who's in the book, throughout the book. Um,
0: By the way, he seems like a wonderful friend.
1: Robbie, I owe him a lot. Um, and I think it, I hope it comes across in the book. But it he, does. It does. He, um... Uh, you know, I called him. I had called him. He knew about everything, obviously, and this was several weeks after. But I just came up with this thought: I said, I've just got to get out of here, and I, I really need to go for a long time, and I, I want to go to Scotland um, and just try to see if I can figure out a reason to to keep going. And uh, so I called him, and I said, Robbie, um, you know, I just I'm not getting any better. I just, you know. Would you mind if I came and stayed? And I couldn't even get it out. He said, you come over here and stay at my house as long as you want. Um, I'll take off work when I can. We'll play golf. You know, you you can do whatever you want. You can sit in my back garden and write. You can just whatever I wanted to do. So that, you know, being able to stay over there for a month, um, I mean, I never could have done it without. I stayed at his house half, at least half the time, and um, you know, played at Dinahverdy and MacRohannis where he's a member, so a lot. So the golf, the golf wasn't very expensive, but it really just, you know, when Robbie would go to work, uh, he he has to, he works for Historic Scout and He has a fascinating job working on on these historic sites on the West Coast. But when he'd have to go to work, he'd he'd tell me the night before, you know, well, why don't you go up to this course, hill, or why don't you go to Tarber, or why don't you, you know? And I would just do whatever he kind of told me, and I met people, and I just, you know, I met a lot of people that, um, and I've always that's been always been one of the best things about these trips is is the people that you meet. Oh, absolutely. To me it, I think you it it it's half the golf. So that's, you, you hit on something that I want to mention about the book. Is, it is a golf book, but it's really a book about life more than
0: yeah, golf. It is. Um, it's about survival.
1: It is. And, you know, I'd always wanted to write a book about Scotland. I've been, you know, 11, I think this will be my 11th or 12th time going this year. And I'd always planned to do it, but obviously it took on a different form. And I, you know, I, and I have been. Um, it has been rewarding to hear from so many people. A lot of people say they love it for the golf part of it, and they want to take the trip, and do the same trip I did. But I get just as many that say, you know, my dad just died, or I had a, I had a child that died, or I had a my mother died, or my brother, and this has really helped me, you know, and I. You know, even people who don't have children have, have said, you know, this has made me think about, um, you know, not putting things off and, you know, taking my dad.
0: Yeah, you trip. say and that it, several it, times in the book. You say, don't wait. Do it now.
1: <laughs> well, it, and again, it, it's it's one of my pet themes, but, um, you know, everybody waits for the perfect time to do things. And there's never a perfect time to do anything. I don't care what it is, whether it's work or life, but there's always going to be reasons you can't do things. And I'm just, I'm glad, you know, that I have been able to do this stuff with my dad. I'm, I'm And, you know, with Jake, my, one of my sons and Jonathan too, you know, I'm obviously sad, you know, I, I mentioned it in the book, but, you know, Jordan, we had talked about Jordan going on the next trip with us and, he was starting to seem like he was improving toward the end, and he seemed excited about it and he we'd talked about it so much. I mean, I've got stuff on the wall in my office, little sketches he drew me of St Andrews and stuff when he was ten and eleven years old um That's wonderful and it he you know, just yeah, and i so I mean to get back to your you know kind of what you're saying, you know, I don't know the people there. I spent a lot of time by myself, but I also spent a lot of time with people that knew what had happened through social media and you know they were so i don't know and i try to i try to i try to describe this in the book, but they have a way of dealing with people in grief that is very um, i don't know it's very subtle and respectful and you know. I don't know how to. I'm not doing a good job of describing it, but I, I just people went out of their way to to be to do things for me, um, and it just meant a lot. And um, you know, it just the more I got into the trip. I mean, I, you you can read it. I mean, I I broke down a few times, and I still break down today. I mean, I was I was down at the PGA show last week, a week or two ago. And this guy was asking me about the book. He's asking me about a certain part of the book, and I just I could hardly talk about it. Um,
0: yeah. It's, except,
1: by the way, I,
0: Jim, let me just interrupt and say it's beautifully written. Thank you. I, I had a, a bunch of phrases underlined that I thought I wanted to actually make a list of the 20 top phrases or sentences or clauses in your book. Uh, there, by the way, I did count 27 golf courses. Is that correct?
1: That is correct for that trip, I believe. That is okay, Because exactly right. yeah. yeah. there's a couple
0: of. There's about 10 of them I'd never heard of, or I maybe had seen on a list. Well. Uh, you seem to have gone to some pretty uh, less. I mean, to say the least, some lesser known courses.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I love those courses, and I've, you know. I'm lucky that I went a lot when I was younger with my dad and we played the old course and Carnoustie and Yerfield and Prep and, um, Thornick and we played all the big courses we played them several times. Um, my dad was just, uh, he's still around, but he, he still plays golf once a week. Um, and he, he just was a golf nut like me and, We'd always wanted to do it, so we played all those places, but we also, on that first trip that we took in ninety four we stayed at Macrahanish for a week and you know, I can tell you, Bill, back then, um nobody in the United States right knew right. what Macrahanish was or Danaverty. i mean, I didn't even know I'd heard of Macrahanish, but i and i'd I go into details about this in the book, but I'd never heard of Danaverty until a man a gentleman there uh directed me to, to go go play and i fell in love with it so
0: by the way I, I, jim i i played in avery for the first time back in october yes and i on a i on a in a bad rainy week i got a, we got a perfect sunny day and that place just lights up uh like you're in some kind of vast green stadium. It's just so beautiful.
1: It's it's otherworldly, deal. I mean, when when you're out there with the sun is out, like you described, it is just it's just hard to. I mean, you're just walking around like I can't believe.
0: Right. I'm looking.
1: <laughs> I can't yeah.
0: believe I'm seeing this.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, there it
0: is, up against the sea. And like you say, the occasional cow or sheep, and uh, it's just oh. And the people, like you say, the people I met checking in, just and that this was a theme of your book of the people you met and uh, they, how they took care of you and how they uh, either knew or when they found out your story, they they responded so in such a genuine way, but without dramatics. I think Americans tend to get a little dramatic in situations like that. They they oversell their empathy. And uh but here you had this kind of beautiful balance between uh grieving with you but also helping you to to move on, to get past the questions you had about whether life was still worth living.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, and I, I try to. I thought about this a lot when I was writing the book, but you know, Scotland, which is a country I dearly love, um, has had a terrible violent history, as you, I'm sure, know, uh, and the people have been oppressed <laughs> quite quite heavily. Uh, you know, not as much in the recent past, but o- over the history of the of the country. Um, and I just think that they have a way of, they have an empathy for people suffering that comes from their own history and their own experience. And I, I really believe that. And I, you know, Robbie just, you know, he was just, he just treated me normally. And we, we didn't really talk about, about Jordan Harley at all until the end of the trip. And it, and you know, um, it kind of comes out. And that scene at gravity toward the end, you know, when I just completely break down. Um, but I, you know, Robbie was—he was, was just—he he knew I, somehow that I needed to just act normally and try to act normally and try to have a good time and try to, you know, continue some of this stuff that I've done all these years and just see if it, how it, if I could figure out a reason. to to keep going and and so he just again he didn't we didn't hardly talk about it until until toward the end and um i think that was by design on his part um but you're exactly right i mean people that knew about it were very very empathetic and um you know and then people that i told about it um immediately had a had a reaction that what can I do for you? is there anything I can do while you're here? here's my number you know it, it so it just i don't know it, it and and for some reason um being away and and not being around people that I knew helped that too for so I don't know how to quite explain that psychologically, but
0: well it uh, simplified the the encounters right
1: yeah it does yeah, yeah. I think you're right.
0: Yeah. yeah uh once again I want this is a beautifully written book and it you know uh, as someone who's gone through some pretty rough tumble things myself uh, and and found that golf was a, a wonderful way a healing way of dealing with it and moving on I could so immediately identify with this book but it it could be music it could be your pets it could be painting reading It could be ballroom dancing or irony. There's a lot of things that you can take golf and substitute it for whatever it is that helps you to move on Uh, with your life when you're questioning whether you should. What we're going to do is we're going to take a short break and come back. But when we come back, we're going to talk about exactly when Revelation did come, the title of the book, and... When that revelation came, what was it? What did it say? What was the thing that Jim Hartzell found out that allowed him to be on the show today? We'll be right back. I'm back with Jim Hartsell, who is an architect, but also an avid golfer and golf writer. We've been talking about his new book, When Revelation Comes, which, by the way, has a foreword by the famous Michael Bamberger and an afterword by Wright Thompson. It is a beautifully written book. It's got some great photos. I know that Jim takes excellent photos, but these are really rich, and they're reproduced really beautifully. It's from Back 9 Press of Chicago. You can go to Back 9, and that's the numeral 9 com, and look up for it there, too. Uh, Jim, the title When Revelation Comes was is a pretty strong title. I love, of course, I like it being religious, Catholic, and so forth. But tell us about when it did come in the book. and te- I mean, tell us about when it did come that you write about in the book.
1: Well, there's a writer that I have been a fan of for 30 years since I found one of his books, by chance, in St. Andrews. The first time I went over there uh, in 94, I found it in this old bookstore. And the man's name is Angus McVicker, and he actually was a member of Denagrity. And his father was a a minister, and, and so he was brought up in a fairly religious household. And he's got a beautiful description in one of his books about playing Dinaverty, and, you know, being almost like what you described earlier, being out there on a sunny day and just really thanking his creator for, you know, being able to play a game in such a beautiful place. And um, But he makes a comment about um, when Revelation comes, and you'd have to read the, the, his book, but it, it has several meanings, I think golf and life and you know and but for me um you know i've been through that trip and and that title just jumped out at me i had that when i first started writing this book i had i've had that title from the beginning because i just always loved that passage of of him writing about playing at the but um at any rate um toward the end of the trip you know i would had a couple of times where I really just broke down and, um, but, you know, I was by myself both of those times. Um, and I had a couple of times in there where I really, two or three times where I really felt like Jordan was with me. Um, you know, there's a scene in there where I see this deer that I just, it's hard to describe, but it just, you know. I don't
0: know. It had this Well you, you described it as a scene out of a, a film by Denis Villeneuve. The, the is he Canadian director?
1: Oh villain uh Venice in the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, it's um that I don't know, I just had this this chill almost of you know something right. and and, and That happened a couple of other times where I, you know, in my mind, I heard this quiet voice that that was Jordan. And um, one time in particular, I was at a place called Wig, which is a really good golf course up on the north, far north, up around John Groats, about as far north as you can get. And I was down to my last golf ball, and I just, I was like, what am I doing out here? What what am I what am I trying to prove? And I started to walk in. I mean, I, I, and, um, I just heard this sort of voice like in my mind, don't quit, dad. And I, so I took uh-huh. that one golf ball and played in miraculously. Um, I've been playing horrible and, um, you know, I don't know. I just felt, and I finished that, those last few holes and I went inside. The People were so nice to me and I just felt almost rejuvenated a bit from just completely down you know 45 minutes earlier um and so you know i was i had a couple of instances like that and we got to the end of the trip robbie and i had planned to stay several days at at denavity there's a couple of houses there right by the fourth hole that um are just a perfect spot to stay you can walk out and Hit shift shots this night on the fourth pole and anyway, we were we had been there for a few days, and, and um, you know he started opening up about some things, and you know we talked a little bit about Jordan, and that last night um, he just said, "Look, we weren't going to play again." He said, "Look, let's uh, let's get up early and go out to the fifth which was." you could walk out from the house to the fifty. And he said, Let's just play start on the fifth, we'll play around to to number one, eat lunch or breakfast and and uh, then play the last four holes and we'll finish up back at the house and then I'll then I'll be on my way. And it was just a s and I, I it's hard to I'll never forget this round of golf. I mean, the never you've been there, um, you know there's the sound of the wind and the ocean and the sheep and the cows, and there's this constant background noise. It's beautiful, but it's... Um, and that morning, it was just dead, calm, silent. I mean, you couldn't even hear the ocean. And um we didn't say hardly anything, and we were just playing around. And, and you know, he'd say a little bit here or there. And we got over to the the 11th Tee, which is up on, it's called Mount Zion, um, for your religious reference, there, there you go, it's, it's the Mm -hmm. highest point on, well, the, the, the hill is, the, the 10th hole is called Mount Zion, but the, the 11th tee and the 10th green to me is, is, it's the highest point on the course, and we get up there and it's still quiet, as if you can, it could be, and Robbie just said, you know, Jim, do you want to, there's a bench there that I've, I've talked about a lot in the book and some other stuff I've written that I just over the years I just sit, I like to sit there and just take it all in. I mean you've seen that view. I mean you're looking at Northern Isle or oh, Ireland. Oh yeah, and,
0: absolutely.
1: Yeah, the Rock and it's just it's just ridiculous, really. I mean, it, it, um, and if that doesn't make you believe in some higher power, then I I I can't help you. But that's right. Um, you know. We sat, he said, Do you want to sit down for a minute? And um, just something in the way he said it, I just, I just completely collapsed. I just, I, I, I started thinking about Jake, when Jake and I, my middle son had been there a couple of years before and how much fun he'd had. I was thinking about my dad 30 years earlier when we went out there and had one of the best rounds of our life you know, I was thinking of Jordan and it just all came crashing down on I me and I just really I could not get any words out and and Robbie I just sat there and cried quite frankly and Robbie just put his hand on my, my shoulder and I, I I couldn't tell you. Probably went that way for a minute or two. And um you know, I just while I was doing that I just started thinking, you know, I've got to I'm in this place that um is one of the most beautiful places in the world, and you know, I've I've got two other boys, and I've got a I have a grandson now, who's you know, small one year old at the time. That's great. And you know, I've got my dad still around, and I'm married. I need the people. are still people that need me, and I, you know, and I still, you know, Jordan wouldn't want me to give up, and you know, he was so thrilled by my writing you know he, he he saw a lot of some of what i got to do with golfer's journal and link's diary and um he'd read a draft of the the sweetened book and loved it and um i just thought you know i can't give up and i you know there's too much you know there's just Maybe I can help some people by talking about this, you know, and, you know, maybe I can, maybe some parent will notice something that might help their child if, if I, if I talk about this a little bit. Because as you rightfully said at the beginning of this, I mean, these things are not easy to talk about. Um, right. you know, um, you know, and so that was, that was my revelation was I, you know, there's stuff I still needed to do. Um, there's people that still, Counted on me and wanted me to be around, and you know, I I felt like I, you know, I needed to try to keep going, and um, you know, I, the rest of that round I felt pretty good, and then you know, when Robbie left, I just broke down again. Um, I don't, you know, it just it was just an emotional he'd been so good to me and he had, he'd helped me so much in that in that month um, and from you know he didn't have to do that and uh, you know he's got a job and he's got a life and um, but we we've, we've become good friends and I you know I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I don't know that I would have made it I know I wouldn't have made it without people like him um you know and and a, and a few other people um that have really really helped me Find out, figure out how, what I need to do to, to try to keep, to keep moving. Cause I mean, I, unfortunately I've, I've heard from a, a lot of people about this book who've had, who've lost a child and it's just the worst thing that can happen to you. And, and, you know, everybody deals with it differently. Um, but I do, I do talk about it in the book when this revelation Okay. No, you're,
0: you you explain it well, and you don't back off it. I mean, you don't try to over-dramatize You have a really good touch of um, how far to go when it comes to something so mor- morally, emotionally sensitive. I did want to make this comment, though, on the golf part of the book, and that is your description of the courses and the buildings and, and the hotels and so forth. Your... Uh, your primary job as an architect certainly comes through uh, in terms of your ability to judge the use of space.
1: Yes. Uh, that's, I'm glad you noticed that. I mean, you know, this one especially, um, I had so much time. I was there for a, a little over a month and I had a lot of days where I was just on my own. And, you know, that's one thing I've, I've tried to tell people. A lot of people... Um contact me about taking trips and over there, and they want to take the same trip I did and they ask about these sort of lesser known places like Cardale and denaverty and, and so forth um, and but i what I tell people is there's so much other stuff to see and i and I was guilty when I was younger deal of when i when I went with my dad, you know we would play golf until we literally fell into the bed at night I mean. And you know it, it doesn't get dark over there until <laughs> it never right. gets dark over there, you know. Right. And so you can just keep playing. It's pretty. It's just,
0: pretty cool at ten thirty at night watching a foursome come up the eighteenth of the Old Course, San Andrews.
1: <laughs> it is. It, 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 it's amazing. And so you're just you're. It's like a golf nirvana, really, because you're hmm. like, so you're at these places and you're like. And so we would just play until we fell and fell apart. And as I got older and especially that trip and I've been I've been two times since the trip that's in this book but um, you know the I've wanted to spend time going to some of these places like um, Hill House Charles Rennie McIntosh who's the greatest Scottish architect just a genius um, going to you know some of these other places that I've never been these historic sites that Robbie took me to and um, I'm so glad that I've done that and I and I've tried to that and that's that that is part of the book. I want people to I do talk a lot about some of the the hotels and and, and some of the restaurants and so there's a there's a there's and I've heard from a lot of people that they enjoy the travel aspect of it too. So it's not just I did want the book to be a love letter to Scotland and Scottish golf and I think it does accomplish that. In spite of the, you know, the, the, the theme, um, you know, the reason that I, that I went. Um, and I think that, you know, I've had, I don't know how many people have asked me about going to play Try or, or Garelock or Colin say, and, you know, how do you get out there? What should I do? And I, you know, anybody that, the way I look at it, anybody that's taking the time to read my book, if they, if they send me a message, I'm happy to talk to them. Um, you know, it's been a little bit overwhelming at times, uh, cause I've gotten so many messages from people, but I've tried my best to, to, to respond and help when I can. And, um, but yeah, I, the country to me is, it's, it's ancient and it's got so much to offer outside of golf. And you can, you can play golf, play nine or 18 and you've got the rest of the day to, to do anything really and so I, I just encourage people and i, I encourage people when they go if, if they can to leave a day when you're you're not really playing golf and you just do whatever you know that was part of what was great about this trip deal is
0: well you yeah, know uh, uh jim playing. i think i think one thing people should should pick up on the book is to make their own journey yeah it doesn't need to duplicate yours. Uh, I do think your pitch for nine-hole golf courses is really important. I think, I hope the readers will, will take advantage of that, of those insights. But there's a philosopher named Kierkegaard who I wrote about in my dissertation who, who talks about whether or not we have the ability to repeat the happiness of a given time in our lives in a given place. And he reflects on going back to a place in Copenhagen where he was very happy for a summer. When he goes back, and goes back in the summer, he can't repeat the pleasure because it's, you know, the things that went into making it a happy time in the first place aren't there. And and also he's very self conscious about it. And I think that for people in want to, I want to play all these nine hole courses. Don't get me wrong. That you and all, all the courses you played that I haven't played, I'm going to play. I'll do that. But I don't expect to repeat the when-revelation-comes aspect of your experience playing those courses because that is something privileged to you, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I've always, I would have to, I, I, I get Kierkegaard's point, but, you know, I've always been the happiest when I've taken these trips. And, you know, architecture, It's a difficult profession to say the least. It's a high stress profession. And, um, yeah. And, you know, just the constant battle to to get projects to keep so you can make a living. And, um, you know, it's, and it's so, it's it's stressful. And, um, so the times I've, I've been able to go and stay long enough, you know, you know, you're really on holiday when you're, when you, when you actually can forget about work and, um, no kidding, you know, I've been fortunate to stay several times over there long enough where I just totally forgot about work. And I, you know, and I was really lucky, you know, my office was great, um, with, with everything that happened with Jordan. You know, They just said, go take as much time as you need. You know, it'll, the office will be here when you get back. And, uh, so they, they've been, they've been great to me. And, um, but I, I, you know, I think a lot of those happy memories of all the years i times I've spent there were part of what helped me. Um, you know, thinking about being there with my dad and Jake and, um, and you know, I, took I don't even think I put this in the book, but I, I took a, I know I didn't put it in the book. I took a golf ball that, um, Jordan had given me. Not long before he died, he'd, he'd gone to play with his my dad, and um, he found this golf ball that he thought was funny. I had some name on it, some you know, I have people print stuff on it. And yeah. Anyway, he, and I, I took it over there, and I and I and I put it somewhere at the and I just left it. And uh, ah. it was it was it was it was it was the last thing that he gave me. Um, it was really only a couple of days before he died. Um, he, he, he played a really good round with my, 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 dad. They'd gone out together. And, um, anyway, so I, that was something I did that I don't know where I got that idea from, but I just thought, you know, I'm going to take something. I thought about some things that were a lot more dramatic, like this state championship ring and stuff like that, but I thought, no, I, this golf ball seems like the right thing i don't know i it makes me feel good somehow to know that that's over there i don't i don't know why but well i i um, know
0: why i mean because it's it's part of the whole the package whole package of what your book represented what your trip represented what this conversation represents and it's you know it's about as you say it's it's connecting the past to the present to the future in spite of death, in spite of the reality of death, being able to keep the connections alive and vital and meaningful.
1: Well, and, you know, that was part of going back to the revelation part is, you know, the other thing that it hit me was, you know, all these memories you need to, at least for me, they need to be talked about, um, and not, and I know people deal with things differently, but for the longest time until that trip, I just didn't want to, you know, people would send me pictures of Jordan playing golf or, and they meant well and I appreciate it, but it just was horrible. And, um, <laughs>
0: yeah, I can admit, but,
1: you know, but I just yeah. thought, I you mean, know, I need to reclaim the stuff and I've got some of the stuff in the book about, um, you know, some of the things that he did and just, you know, I need to be able to talk about it. And that was part of the other realization was, you know, I think it's an old saying that as long as some people are remembered, they're, they're not, they're not gone. And, um, I probably paraphrase that wrong, but it,
0: no, that's exactly you know, right. Jim. Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and so the, that, you
0: know, and this book, will be, if you call it therapy, okay, it is sort of, but it will provide the occasion for many, many others, it already has, to come to grips with bad things or, have, that have happened to them in their past, and how that when they look back on how they dealt with it or didn't deal with it or maybe still need to deal with it, that they need to go find that place at Denaverty where... This revelation came, and this insight into you are loved, you are needed, you've got to be there so that that love can be received and given, and that support can be given and received.
1: Yeah, and I've, you know, kind of wanted to, along those lines. I mean, again, trying to stress that it's not just a golf book. I don't know how many people I've heard from that have said. You know, my wife has never hit a golf ball in her life and she read this book. I, I, after I finished it, she read it straight through and loved it or vice versa. A wife that plays golf and um, bought the book and the husband. So, you know, it's, it is, I wanted it to be, obviously it's, it's the framework of the whole thing is golf and it's, and I'm a golf nut about Scotland and golf in general, but um, that's the framework for telling this, this larger story. Um, so I think it does have a lot to offer to a lot of different people, and that's kind of why one reason I was excited to do your show is, you know, maybe it's a slightly different audience than, than some of the um, golf podcasts I've been on. I own.
0: have a lot of golf listeners, I want you to know. Well, good. But I have well, all all my listeners are human beings, and that's what this book is about.
1: Yeah,
0: I want to remind our listeners it's called When Revelation Comes by Jim Hartzell, and uh, I've been encouraging Jim to get the publisher to put an audio book out there, and because this this particular book, and I, I everyone knows I listen to audio book. we've talked about it. it, lends itself to wonderful reading, because for one thing it's so well written. But it's also so colorful. You meet all these really interesting people who are, who are very funny when they're glib.
1: <laughs> oh, you know that. I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I know we're, we're trying to wind up, but the, you know, I hope the humor comes across. Oh, it, book
0: does. Book. it does.
1: It <laughs> does. You know, some
0: of the looks people give each other, and <laughs> you know, some of the Americans doing their you know their clumsy American thing. Well, they had to,
1: I'll tell uh, this. One quick story, but you know, a couple of the guys in the book um, called Harry McLean and Jeff Butcher, who've become friends of mine now, um, they are longtime golf partners, and they are so opposite. It's just hilarious. I mean, Harry, Harry is a former motocross racer, and he's just a hard-nosed old Scottish guy. And Jeff is this English gentleman who moved up to Scotland just because he fell in love with the golf. Well, they fell in together at Gull and became partners. And they, it just, I don't know. I, I love, I love playing with them. They're, they're complete opposites. And Harry just will have this look on his face when Jeff says something like, "What is he talking about?" You know, you just, I don't know. Just, just, I, some of that um, humor. Um, there's a subtle drive humor in, that Scotts have that. Um, I hoped I was able to capture a little bit. You did.
0: No, um, you did. Yeah. <laughs> I've been over there. I, I, I think I count over 20 trips to Scotland myself, and uh, you definitely captured what I'm familiar with. But you also deepened my experience of it at the same time, and uh, that always is, is welcome. And uh, I uh, I'm hoping, though, that you won't stop writing about Golf, or even about Jordan. I hope there's other things in the future that you might be involved with.
1: Oh, definitely. I'm I'm working on a new story for Links Diary. I've actually got my next three stories lined up for them. Um, I've got one that I've written for Golfers Journal that is actually about the that That um, they are. I'm hoping it's going to be in one of the next three or two or three episodes. Uh, issues would have to see um and then i'm trying to i've got a story coming out today's golfer next month um that's part of their top 100 um scottish golf course rankings i helped them on that and i wrote a little essay for that um which i hope people will
0: well i, th- I thought your piece on my beloved oscar was just wonderful
1: Thank you. I've, Link's Diary's been great and they, you know, I've loved working with those guys. I've I've gotten to be friends with them and they're, they're, the publication's really taken off and I am thinking about my next book. I've, you know, I've I've got several ideas I've been kicking around and, you know, I just, I don't feel, I I need to write. Um, it's therapeutic for me, but it's also just enjoyable and I just become, you know, it's well, interesting. You, you have talk.
0: a you have a gift for writing, Jim.
1: Well, it's, uh. you know, I just this book in particular, um, I wrote it out longhand. Um, wow. And then, which was totally different than the Sweden's Code book, which I did a hundred percent on the on the computer. Uh, now, you know, after I wrote this out, obviously I took it to the computer, but it just there was something about you know I'd sit out in the backyard or. Um, and it just, I don't know, it, it just was a different process. It was, a, it was obviously just a much more emotional book yeah. than, than the Sweetens book. But, um, so yeah, I've got stuff planned. Good.
0: We got to say goodbye. Uh, I want to okay. remind, uh, our listeners that the book is When Revelation Comes, and we've been talking to Jim Hartzell, the man who received the revelation about Life Must Go On. And, Jim, I look forward to meeting you in person at some point and getting to know you better and having you back on the show at some time in the future. So thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. All
1: right, deal. Thank you very much for inviting me. I appreciate
0: it. you got it. And all are listening. I'll be back this day and this time next week. If you have any comments or questions about church and culture, you can contact Deal Hudson at dhudson at avemariaradio.net.